Welcome to the Doug Adams Show. I am Doug Adams. Welcome aboard. Today's May 5th, 2020. And it's time for another podcast. And I guarantee you, you could hear the uh, background traffic. The traffic is whizzing by. Um, This next story, first of all, is true. Parts of it seems like it's not true. But it's true. This was in June of 1990. I flew into Reno, Nevada with $11,000 cash in my pocket. Checked into a hotel. It wasn't the Flamingo, but it was as nice as the Flamingo. And actually nicer. And I uh, went over the Flamingo casino and uh, I left a thousand in the hotel room and played dice. I was playing what you call the field bet, which is not a good bet. Two, three, four, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Twelve usually pays triple. Nowadays it's double. Two pays double. I was playing the field bet, which is not a good bet. It's a sign of someone who's wanting to just get pure lucky. Or someone who doesn't know how to play the game. I was probably both. I did get lucky. But let me tell you how how it started. I was putting $1,000 on the field. I was putting $500 on the field, $1,500 on the field, $200 on the field. And I dropped that $10,000 cash down to about zero. Okay. The table limit was 2000 So I was almost out of money. My 10000 was almost gone. So I just took what chips I had, put them on the field. And uh, walked away. Because I didn't think it was going to hit. I was actually at the door. And uh, the people at the table started yelling, Hey, Doug, come here. You're a... Uh, your bet was too much. So I did lose the bet, but I had like 2300 on it. So I had $300 left over. The people at the table the, that were running the table weren't too concerned about that $300. They were just going to give it to someone I was standing next to. I was actually there by myself. They thought those people were with me, but they weren't. So the guy that I was playing near, near said, Come here, you had too much on the table. So that $300, I took it back up to $10,000. That's pretty good, isn't it? Yes, it is. Pure luck. But um, the next day, Sunday morning, I went down to the Flamingo again and uh, put $2,000 on the field three times in a row. Lost $6,000. So at that point, I have 4,000, then 1,000. I have about 5,000 left. I, uh, I give up on the dice. I start betting baseball. And I end up dropping down. And by the way, that next morning after I lost that, I checked out of the hotel and went to a motel. So I was not living, living quite as well after that Sunday morning of losing 
3,000 on the field three times in a row. Actual cash, they let me put cash out there. I think they were concerned that I was not going to continue my bet, that I would chicken out if they decided to use chips. So I put stacks of 2,000 out there every, every time and uh, lost them. So anyway, so they got their money back. So I go to the motel, start betting baseball, and there's this individual in the in the uh, area in the sports book, and he's uh, looks like he may be a Beach Boy fan. I don't know, maybe a hippie Beach Boy fan. Uh, back during that time, uh, those little bags they called fag bags. He was wearing one of those. Looked like he may have been. Maybe a lead singer for a band, uh, or a, maybe a manager for a band. He looked like he was in the music business. Uh, anyway, I saw that he was betting pretty big, uh, and so I asked him for a few tips, and I bet the way he suggested, and I think I won a little bit of money. By the way, this individual claims his brother wrote the song Danger Zone, and I do not remember his name. But he claims he wrote it. I'm not sure if it's one of those situations where, like, yeah, my brother wrote it. He never never got credit for it. I'm not sure. I personally didn't believe him. I didn't believe him. But I did believe the amount of money he was spending. I did believe that. Um, so we bet, and uh, we were talking. And he said, man, I'm getting white line fever. And I said, what do you mean, white line fever? And I wasn't drinking. Actually, I was drinking O'Doul's. I think it was. There was another non-alcoholic beverage. Uh, He didn't drink at all. And uh, I said, what do you mean white line fever? He said, I just want to roll, man. I want to get in my truck and roll. And he did. He had a pickup. And it was not a new pickup. Wasn't in bad condition. And he said, you want to go? I said, sure. And uh, like I said, this story is actually true. And this is in Reno, Nevada. We go over the hills. We go through, you know, over Truckee, down through Sacramento, down into San Francisco. And he said, I'm taking you to a safe house. I said, what do you mean a safe house? He goes, well, I'm going down to this drug dealer's house, a guy that I finance. And uh, he's at a safe house. And I want, you know, you can, you can stay there. Uh, you know, just, and I did. I just stayed in the safe house. I don't know if he brought me along for security or what, whatever the situation was. But this guy whose house he went to, there was hardly any furniture in the house. And it was actually quite a large house. And apparently this individual I went down there with is actually financing his, his, uh, his drug deals uh, from an insurance policy that, uh, that he got because his daughter and his wife was killed in a car wreck. Like I said, a lot of the story doesn't sound true, but it is. And uh, so he's financing this guy. And I, I, he told me that, you know, there was some, you know, that he was kind of getting the message that this guy was interfering on some people's turfs. By the way, this story that I'm telling you now has nothing to do with the previous story. Okay, absolutely nothing. As a matter of fact, this story happened pro- before that one. And uh, so... Uh, I go there, and I actually, there's like a few couches, not a bad-looking house. I actually just, like, lay down because I'm tired and 
kind of, you know, sleep throughout the night there on the couch while they sat there and talk. I think they did some coke. As a matter of fact, I know they did. I did zero. When it started to get light, we split. Boom. Okay. So, um, as I said, this is actually June or July. I can't give a specific a specific uh, month on this on this situation. It was 1990. I know that. So um, I'm getting ready to we go back we go back over the mountain, back over the hill, as they say, up through you know up to Sacramento, back over into uh, into Reno. Uh, I place one more bet. And um, it wins. I leave the ticket with him. Because I leave. My flight was leaving before the final game was paid, play, played. Uh, it was a parlay bet. It won substantial. Uh, when I say substantial to me, it was probably like, I don't know, 850, something like that. 900, not a whole lot. But it was a substantial ch- chunk of money. Um, it wasn't so much that I would freak out if I never got paid because I'd never met this guy in my entire life, ever. And um, so it wasn't like, oh my God, I'm never going to get paid. I'm, you know, in panic mode. I, you know, let's let's go burn this guy's house down, you know, or put a hit on this guy. He ripped me off. No, who cares? It's 850. Who cares? So, but I do know that he owes me 850 ballpark. So that's on the. Uh, you know, I sort of put that in the back of my mind. And I had his phone number. I called him. There was no there was no answer. Well, I end up taking a little trip down to Mountain Home, Arkansas. And um, I spend some time down in Arkansas. I go down there with about 3,000 cash. And I spend a couple of weeks having a great time. And... Um, during that time, I ran out of money, and I'm having a great time, okay? I'm just having an excellent time, and I still want to party down in Arkansas, okay? So I call my dad. No, no, I can't loan you any money, even though I would have paid it back. Uh, he told me to call, you know, a certain person, which it was a totally ridiculous person. I don't even need to bring this person's name into it. It was just absolutely ridiculous. Uh... And I, I, that person would have loaned me the money anyway, and I would have been embarrassed to ask, hey, man, I'm partying. Can you loan me $500? Uh, and w- there was no drugs involved. There were, it, was, it was just all just having a good time at the lake. I rented a houseboat, had an awesome time, uh, had a cooler full of beer, uh, and had an awesome time. And I didn't really want to, you know, go home after the party was, was coming to an end when the money was running out. So I uh, sent back then telegrams. I sent telegrams to this dude's house, okay, several times, several times from Mountain Home, and called several times. No response, never got my money. I left Arkansas in August of 1990. After that two week, maybe a couple more days than that. Uh, you know, time of having a good time down there, having a fun time. And uh, I left Arkansas, and I ended up going back out to Reno. And I landed in Reno, and I thought, hey, man. And I considered this guy a friend, even though, and it's crazy how this works, even though he screwed me out of 850, 
I still considered considered him a friend. Um, so I went to his house. I answered the door. He had tears streaming down his eyes. He was crying. And I said, hey, man, um, why didn't you answer my phone calls? Why didn't you answer my telegrams? Which it's crazy sending a telegram because these days, who sends a telegram? That sounds like something out of, you know, a long time ago. And if, I guess it was. It, it was a long time ago, almost 30 years ago. I said, why didn't you respond to, uh, you know, to what's happening, you know, to, to, to my to my telegrams, to my phone calls. And, and he really did. He had tears, actual real tears coming down his face. He said, well, because I thought you were a cop. I said, you thought I was a cop? He goes, yeah, well, I wasn't sure if you was a cop or if you were like a spy of some kind. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, and he was real good friends with that individual uh, that when he said he got white line fever, so he went over the mountains down to San Francisco. He was good friends. He was financing his, his illegal drug business, but he was also good friends. And so the tears were coming down his eyes, and he said, uh, I thought you were a spy. I thought you were a cop. I thought you, you know, couldn't be trusted, basically. He said that that day after we left, that morning, we left in the morning time that next night that his friend and his friend's girlfriend and some other people were tied up in that safe house and executed so uh, yeah I could understand why he wouldn't want to respond to my messages or not my messages well yeah my telegram messages and I understand why he wouldn't answer the phone and the tears were real I've never confirmed whether his brother actually wrote Danger Zone, and I don't even care. He could pick good games. He probably made a lot of money picking winners. Um, and I never got my money. And I flew out of Reno without my money. But at least I understood why he didn't respond to me. And wasn't able to finance my good time in Arkansas in August of 1990. Thanks for joining me on the Doug Adams Show. Remember, you don't have to show up pretty at the Doug Adams Show. Just show up and we'll go from there.